So Edmonton, Alberta, and then you know you're in Edmonton, and then you meet somebody who served in Papua New Guinea of all places twice. <laughs> yes, I'm Linda Gascoigne, and uh, I went to Papua New Guinea in January 1991 to work at a vocational school. Um, I was teaching home ec, which is not exactly my strong suit. <laughs> so oftentimes my husband would help me in the night before with lesson plan, and then I would do the lesson the next day with my two students. Actually, I should backtrack a bit. We were originally scheduled to go early, but because of tribal war in the area where we were going, uh, we weren't able to leave when we should have. So when we finally got to our placement, we were actually the first uh, workers back in the area. The government had removed all of their employees, the schools were closed down, and healthcare workers were evacuated, and uh, volunteers were gone. Um, at that time, I think CUSO had some difficulty with uh, organizing and planning things, because we were the first people back in the area, and uh, no one in the villages around the area were prepared to have volunteers show up. And I'll never forget my first night. We stayed in this house that was allocated to us. There was no power, no water, no uh, stove to cook on, uh, absolutely nothing. And nobody knew we were coming. So we were sitting there wondering what we were going to do for an evening meal. And one of the local people showed up with a little kerosene stove, which he loaned to us. Neither of us were smoking at that time, so we didn't even have a match to light this stove. <laughs> and uh, so we managed, with a little help from the surrounding people. And then that night, we couldn't sleep in what was supposed to be the bedroom, because uh, <laughs> it was jam-packed full of uh, school uh, tools and equipment that they tried to save from this uh, tribal war thing. So we were laying on the floor in the living room. It started to rain. Well, guess what? The roof leaked. <laughs> and we're laying there, and all of a sudden I hear this scurrying and scratching. There's rats running all over in that room. And that was it. I started to cry, and I thought, if this is volunteering, I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> So Barry, he sticks his hand out of his sleeping bag and he holds my hand and he says, oh, it'll be okay, just wait till the morning. And it was. We had a wonderful time there. The, the local people were very, very kind to us and uh, we found our community there, I guess, with the local people. There were no, the nearest other volunteers were VSO people and they were probably an hour's walk away from where we were and they came later than we did and uh, yeah it was really good I had a pig I got lots of advice from the security staff on how to raise this pig um, and finally when he told me that I needed to put more salt in the pig's food I realized that maybe other people were tasting this food and the pig wasn't getting too much so then I asked if his wife would raise the pig for me and I paid her to do this. So then the pig was well fed, I was assured. And as far as the, the work experience went, it was a huge disappointment. The school, 
used to be a thriving school, but because of this tribal war, a lot of parents were afraid to send their children to school. And uh, I think, well, I use the term children loosely. These were young adults, actually. But um, I ended up with two students. And uh, that was what the girls' program was. Barry had quite a few young men in the agriculture and carpentry end of things. But uh, we were not replaced when we left. The uh, Department of Education in that area assigned someone to manage the school that was, and it was a very unpopular decision politically. And in the end, the school was closed down and we were gone. And that was a huge disappointment, I guess, in terms of work satisfaction. Personally, we had a great time. Um, but you know what? One of those two children you taught might be the very one of those two. Oh. Very, I mean, what a lucky kid to yeah. be in class of two, eh? Yes, <laughs> we had most of the lessons in my house. <laughs> and then the second time we went to PNG, it was a completely different experience. We had a fairly modern house, a brick house with running water. It was rainwater, but still we had taps you could turn on and you could have a shower and an electric stove and a phone and a computer. It was we were quite spoiled, okay. and we uh, were. Spoiled, uh, <laughs> it was really nice, and we were very near a resort. So, because we were placed at a Lutheran church uh, school, we were seen as missionaries by by the local people. Oh. And missionaries had free use of the resort facilities, so it was like you another world. So, this was in 2004 to seven. And you wouldn't know from our first experience that it was the same country. But a lot more satisfying in terms of job. Um, I wasn't supposed to be teaching. I ended up teaching because the staff that uh, were supposed to be interested in capacity building were actually interested in planning their retirement. And uh, I couldn't really blame them. <laughs> most, so you just of them dug in and most of them had been there for 20 or more years teaching and they were nearing the end of the road for their career so they weren't interested in in the capacity building that uh, I guess outside organizations thought they should be interested in <laughs> and uh, so I was told that I could sit in with the commerce teacher and maybe help him and that evolved uh, and I ended up teaching math which uh, you were okay was, with that? Uh, well, it was pretty difficult, you know. Um, a woman cannot possibly know how to calculate the area of a wall or a door or a floor. So that's a man job. On a, yeah, because that's what carpenters need to know. So on a couple of occasions, uh, the students would say, no, that wasn't right, I didn't do it right. And one of them would go and get Barry out of the carpentry class <laughs> to come to the classroom and do the math for this calculation. And lo and behold, if I didn't have the right answer, what a big shock. <laughs> I love that woman power. <laughs> so Thank anyway, you. but what I ended up doing, because math was an extremely difficult subject for the students, I ended up uh, bringing them to my house and we did baking. They loved cooking and baking. Oh, so you do so measurements. So we would measure things, oh. and then I told them that 
you know, you see people at the market all the time selling baked goods. How do you think they've come up with the price? Well, no one knew. Uh, just something you pull out of the air. So we started calculating what it cost us to make cakes and bread and all this sort of stuff and how much would you sell it for and make a profit. So it turned out to be a lot of fun. We had, we had a really, really good time and we would still be there if it wasn't for having family here. It seemed like when we were there I was missing people here all the time and now we're here and the opposite is happening. Wow, thank yeah, you so much it. for your service. <laughs> that was a beautiful story. Thank you. Teaching math through baking.